Hello, good morning. This is Emily Austin from the Episcopal Church in West Tennessee. And this is Faithfully Memphis. Each week we have the opportunity to come to you to share inspiring stories of the way that faith intersects with the lives of people here in Memphis, but also all over the country. And today, I'm really excited to have back on the show my good friend and colleague and just mentor and everything to me, Marvin Stockwell. Hey, Marvin. Hey, how's it going, Emily? Good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. So, Marvin, you were on the show. I mean, I was, I'm trying to think about, uh, you know, the last several years have been such a (laughs) mishmash. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And age doesn't help either because as, as in the last few years, I've had to also get older. And so there are so many things that have been happening, but you were on the show, I think it was like two years ago, but that feels like maybe it was eons ago, 20 minutes ago. Yeah, Yeah. it was, it was 20 minutes ago and two years ago (laughs) and five decades ago. So all at the same time. So welcome back to Faithfully Memphis, Marvin. Isn't that weird how time uh, works? The the pandemic really had a kind of warping effect on, on, on time. Uh, those lost years, but no, I totally agree. It, it uh, but no, it was. Uh, I enjoyed the last time I was on the show, and I'm so glad to be back. Yeah. So the last time you were on the show, um, we were talking about your work here in Memphis mm-hmm. and your the work that you've been doing in sort of the PR world here mm-hmm. in Memphis over the last few decades. But we were talking specifically about your um, project that was still kind of. I guess in mm-hmm. its in its not I wouldn't say infancy, but maybe it's toddlerhood. Um, mm-hmm. Champions of the Lost Cause. Causes, yeah, and, yeah. Champions of the Lost Causes, which is your um, book that you're working on, your mm-hmm. blog, and now your podcast. Yeah. that really um, you were inspired by your not inspired. I feel like that's kind of a glib way of of describing it, but mm-hmm. you know we're all moved by certain causes in our life Mm -hmm. and the things that we see around us that other people aren't necessarily paying attention to in our Mm -hmm. community. And sometimes we have to be that person to champion them and to say, I need, I need you. I need the world to take a look and, and see if we can lift up these populations or give attention to a need that would affect a lot of people. And sometimes, you know, God or the world or whoever mm-hmm. um, sort of selects us as we, I need to be the champion. So that was, yeah. that summons was, us or deputizes yeah. us. Yeah. And so that was, that is the project that you're working on mm-hmm. and we're working on when we talked a couple years ago, yeah. and, you know, you and I are friends, we've continued to sure. you know talk about this offline, but now um, the, the, the movement is growing. Yeah. Right. The, the, so well, talk about yeah. what your summer has been like. Yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I, I, I want to, You're going to be. You're being humble here. 
Emily, you were my very first content coach, you know, like, well, so when, when I was like, gosh, I think I'm, I'm writing some of this stuff. Maybe it's worth reading. You, you helped me edit those initial, uh, blog posts as I was just kind of wrapping my head around, uh, the champions of the lost causes idea. Um, but yeah, no, I was whatever you want to call it inspired. Uh, I just, I, one day I got, I thought to myself, why do people have the fire in the gut to champion causes? Yeah. Why, and, and, and I thought, why do I have the, the fire in the gut to keep championing the cause of the Coliseum low these many years? And at that point, we're at the four-year mark. Of course, we're now at the eight-year mark uh, yeah. on the Coliseum, and it's it's still uh, still being championed. Yeah, but, the Mid-South Coliseum. Yeah. So in case someone is listening and they're in Memphis and maybe they don't know or mm-hmm. someone's listening from outside of Memphis, can you give the quick executive sure. summary of like what the Mid-South Coliseum is and was and what yeah. you guys envision it to be? Sure. So, gosh, we could I could take up the whole show doing, just doing that. But, but I'll just say this in, in quick summary. Uh, the Mid-South Coliseum. Coliseum is a 60s era venue that was closed because it didn't meet um, Americans with Disabilities Act uh, standards. Uh, And it was either bring it up to code or close it. And the city closed it in early 2007. And we think that this we think it would be awesome to have it back open. There's been a disagreement over the years. Uh, People say it's impractical. The building's not in good shape. We've disproven all that. It's in excellent shape. So. where things stand right now is that there is a demolition threat on the building, um, uh, and and Mayor Strickland has has said uh, he plans to demolish it and build a soccer stadium there. We have a difference of opinion. We hope he doesn't do that. And actually, just this week, it broke in the press um, that um, just a couple of days ago that it, it's looking like he doesn't have the money to do all of the things that the state allocation was for. Re- renovating FedEx Forum, re- renovating Liberty Stadium, uh, making repairs to AutoZone uh, Park, and building 901 FC uh, yeah. Soccer Club, a mm-hmm. stadium, and demolishing the Coliseum in the process. So I-, I don't think he's got the money to do everything. And, you know, I am always open to the fact that um, that anyone can have a change of heart. Uh, I think we were told in, in our discussions with the city, um, if we ever th- they took a look at our pre-development work that we've spent the last two years doing. And they, they, they basically said um, outgoing uh, COO Doug McGowan said, look, if the city's ever looking for a plan B, this would be a great framework to start with. So we maintain a collegial relationship with the city of Memphis, mm-hmm. and we're still hopeful that the Coliseum can be reopened. There's a Coliseum Conservancy coming online. Other people are standing this up, business leaders in our community. So long story short, it the Coliseum was Memphis's, you know, arena where all the great mm-hmm. shows happened. Yeah. Sinatra played there. Elvis played there. The Beatles played there. James Brown played there. So, I graduated from college there. <laughs> I graduated from high school and college there, <laughs> not to one-up you, but... Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's but so I'll resist yeah. the urge to go into any more yeah, detail yeah. about the Coliseum, but um, that was my cause, and I got curious: why do I have this seemingly inexhaustible fire in the gut to keep yeah. championing it? Because you do. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I know about you, just as knowing you personally, is yeah. that you're kind of like a dog with a bone with something, and and it's that optimism, that sort of baked in optimism that you. That's true. But but it's also seeing the larger picture of things and seeing how um it's it it it, it's always worth it Mm -hmm. to give it your best and to try hard to 
leave the place where you live better than you found it. That's true. I think you're almost giving me too much credit because like we it's like in a way I didn't choose to champion the cause. Yeah. I somewhat yeah, those was causes choose I, you. You get chosen and you kind of get sucked into this vortex of it's like you're drafted or or summoned. And so I, I got almost like you're called. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. a calling, uh, you know, and I, I like to use a Batman analogy. You know, the, the bat signal hits the sky and all of the Batmen and Batwomen kind of respond instinctually. It's not a left brain. I'm going to decide to do this, right. at least not in my experience, not in the people I've interviewed on the podcast. So I fell in with another with a bunch of similarly wired uh, people of different persuasions and different uh, backgrounds and different temperaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the thing that I found really curious was exactly how these teams seem to materialize out of the ether Mm -hmm. um it's almost like the team is selected and all of a sudden it's like a bunch of people winding up at the same airport gate bags packed with their ticket punched ready to go to a city and they're like oh hey good to meet you where's it we're going yeah and like you're three miles out to sea and but before you realize you're doing a thing and you're there's no land in sight and you're like so i got curious about that Mm -hmm. um and then i started writing the book which became champions of the lost causes and then I thought, I don't want to just have my own experience. Be, I don't want this to be a book, How the Coliseum Was Saved. That's not the book I'm writing. I'm writing a book about why people champion causes, what sustains them, what helps them succeed. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, I don't want the book to be about, and I don't want my my learning to only be through the lens of my own project. Yeah, so I thought, yeah. I know what I'll do, Emily. I'll interview people who champion other causes and, 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 and learn from them. And yeah. so now... At about the forty episode mark, yeah. Um, so that so mm-hmm. it became a podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. In two thousand nineteen, and I mean, mm-hmm. you that was something that to me at least it seems really natural that that was the progression of the project mm-hmm. because you have this background in, you know, it like you're you're a mm-hmm. fish in water right now, just like sitting here with this microphone in front of you. Yeah, um, this is something that's been a part of your you know career for a long long time and and also you are a journalist and Mm -hmm. so you know how to sit down with people and and ask them questions that are gonna you know unlock yeah the the kind of um learning and the kind of uh dialogue that that is gonna charge uh, the listeners up so i mean Mm -hmm. so then the podcast was born yeah, right. the podcast was born, and I did that for a few years, and all through the pandemic, You're I did a couple. Still doing it, yeah. Still yeah. doing it, but uh, my my long term goal is to get the show syndicated on public radio, and I've been talking to some people at uh, PRX, mm-hmm. which is a merged with Public Radio International here in this last year. And anyway, one of the one of the higher ups who's really taken a liking to my show said, you know, um, it would be helpful for public radio program directors. If you could offer your show in a more bite-sized, like limited edition, you know, format. And I thought, so he's like, is there any kind of like conceptual framework you could put around the show? And my, my days of, of, of touring in Pez, my band, I just thought summer tour, you know, and and so I just, it became the summer road trip with the kids. Yeah. So, okay. So talk about this trip that you've Mm -hmm. been on, like you're just, I mean, I, I, this like we were talking about yeah. time is such a blur and this summer has been such a blur but but you fairly recently got back yeah. and you were on the road the entire time with Cormac your son who uh-huh. is going to be um 
uh, our seventh grader. Our kids, yeah. our kids are going to be classmates again. I'm excited I about know. that. But he's going to be a seventh grader, and um, then your other two kids, you know, coming along at various points along yeah. the way um, on on the road. Yeah. And y'all hit the road, and you were just you've been interviewing people who, within mm-hmm. their own communities and within their own context ac- across the United States, um, championing yeah. their causes. Yeah. Talk about, I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to encourage everyone yeah. to listen to those shows as they come out on Champions of, uh, on the Champions of the Lost Causes podcast. But tell me about some of the, mm. the conversations that like really are, um, yeah. bright stars in your mind, uh, and, and moments where you had just mm-hmm. moments of clarity about, okay, this is, this is what it is to, continue fighting up against the stream even when uh, even as everyone is is pushing back against that yeah well um you know i had the benefit of having done about 40 episodes before i ventured out so i kind of had a you know i saw lots of similarities uh there's every cause is different every person's motivations mix of motivations is different but i at least got a good broad sampling before i went on this road trip uh but then i thought you know, my my handful of non-Memphis episodes had shown me that obviously, you know, Memphis doesn't have a patent on uh, championing causes. Although mm-hmm. I would say, being a homer from a city like I am, yeah. that like there's an above average like number of people championing causes here because there's there's lots of work to do and there are lots of great people here in Memphis. But um, but of course, I assumed that there were people championing causes all over the world. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I yeah, this is a, dating myself a bit. But you know, like that, I thought about that Charles Curalt series on the road back the in the road. 80s or whatever it was uh where he went out and he just told stories of people in middle america was it a radio show no it's tv it's a tv show it's okay. tv yeah okay. um i mean i was a little kid when it was on i had to go back and look it up on youtube to kind of be like oh okay yeah yeah but, but you had the like the little inkling i had the mind. little okay inkling. i'll have to look that up I'm yeah not, I'm Jar- not- Charles Curalt on the road. And it, it, so it was, it was analogous enough to what I was doing there. I kind of looked it up anyway. So, um, so I thought to myself, I want to corroborate that, that thought and say, I want to go take the pulse of the rest of America and see what causes are being championed elsewhere in our country. Uh, and I felt like on the others, and I know that people are still getting COVID. So I'm not trying to be glib and say the pandemic's over, but I mean, yeah, largely yeah. the company, the country is opening back up. And I feel, I feel like, I was uh, we all were like so landlocked completely for a while. And then people were kind of tentative, tiptoeing back into the pool of travel, you know, Um, and and I just thought the time is right. We're far enough on the other side of the worst of the pandemic. And I just felt like a road trip uh, would be would be would be a good idea. So I worked with the with the with the the folks at PRX and they shared some resources with me. I partnered up with my friends at IOBI, who not only were my crowdfunding uh, platform, but also their marketing manager helped me tease out and find and connect with uh, some IOBI project leaders uh, of the past who made great podcast guests for the yeah, road trip. Yeah, that's um, awesome. That's one awesome. such one such actually two of the ones that IOBI steered me to were two of my favorite. Um, there was a woman named Michelle Brown, oh, probably late 40s, early 50s, African-American educator in Oakland, California. Uh, and about eight years ago, she had the thought, there are all these kids in my school, in my high school, who are getting in trouble. And she had done some graduate research in um, 
the benefits of risky play mm-hmm. as as a ba- as a way to connect to neurodivergent learners. Yeah. Uh, and I myself am ADHD, and so uh, I thought to myself, you know, like the world has come a long way in understanding what the learning needs of ADHD people and autistic people are. Uh, so anyway, I thought well, that piqued my interest. So she went to uh, her school leaders and said, I think if we would do stuff like glass blowing, rock climbing, you know, these things that are that are termed, you know, risky play where they're doing big, bold stuff with physical stuff, they'd connect better to these kids and they'd stop getting in trouble. And they said, that's a great idea. There's only one problem. We don't have any funding. Yeah. So un- yeah. undaunted, she went and did an IOB crowdfunding campaign, raised eighty five hundred dollars. And she took these kids out glass blowing and rock climbing and did all this stuff. And guess what? Their test grades improved. They stopped getting in trouble. And so she proved to her school that it could work. Um, and then now since then, she's gotten some more like stable grant funding. And it's part of the school's approach. My point is she didn't have to do that, but she cared. I mean, she, I mean, in, in interviewing her and from what she said, you know, she's neurodivergent herself. Yeah. So like she didn't have to go do that. Now, that's not a cause in the sense of like they stopped the pipeline or or they saved the building but i would argue that that is a very important cause to champion so that's just that's just one that stuck out in terms of like the true like pitched battle causes that you might imagine are out there Mm -hmm. there was a cause there's a there is an ongoing cause in minneapolis uh called uh, these people fighting to save the east phillips depot it's an old abandoned building that was a some type of chemical plant that has that has all the spilled arsenic that the, the anyway, yeah, it's a long story yeah, short, yeah. but it's the neighbors are worried about the environmental contamination. They have a plan for the building. And of course the, 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 the kind of patronizing, arrogant, hubris laden city uh, mayor is like, we're going to bulldoze the building. Yeah. It's a classic like fight, but yeah, so, almost like I can, I can imagine the, if there were an eighties movie about it, like there's, there's going to be a montage. I hope they do make a a documentary about it, but yeah, it is. It really, I mean, we're talking about, uh, indigenous people occupying the building, yeah. forced removal by police, yeah. all with the back cloth of George Floyd in their town yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a as a back cloth to this. Th- yeah. Their fight's been going on for about eight years. And anyway, not to not to spoil it, but maybe just to give a teaser for when that that episode comes out. Um, the, the, the activists have the upper hand, but it's been a long, hard fight uh, and they've had to be very cunning in how they go about it. But they've. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell the yeah, episode, no, but, but suffice to say this, it is a spine tingling kind of like success story. Uh, and I interviewed this kind of like early to late twenties, uh, uh, Latin X, uh, guy, Joe Vital. Uh, and then there was this early sixties Greek, uh, white architect who's been the architect who's helped the, the activists with the yeah. renderings pro bono from moment one. And I'm just, my point is look at the diversity of those yeah. ages and races coming together. And championing a cause and being successful. And it was a true, you know, like David versus Goliath thing. So the trip in summary, I just was like, it was so encouraging. And mm-hmm. I, and I hope that's what the podcast is broadly speaking. And what the, the folks at PRX have said, they've said, you know, like your each episode distills down a good work going on in the world. And I find that each episode I'm encouraged and. I feel incredibly blessed to be like, as the host, I'm the first one that gets the encouragement because yeah. I get it. Oh, I relate it, to that. I relate you to know that what I mean? in a huge way. It, yeah. Um, and with that, I'm going to, uh, we're going to go to a break real quick and then uh, we'll be back with Marvin Stockwell on Faithfully Memphis.
At WIXR, we are committed to uplifting local organizations and businesses who are making an impact in Memphis. If you are looking for ways to spread the word about your business on air and want to support WIXR at the same time, email us at sponsorships at wixr.org. MIFA's Meals on Wheels program serves more than 700,000 meals to seniors across Memphis and Shelby County each year. MIFA depends on volunteers to deliver many of those meals, and the volunteers may be the only person the seniors see that day. If you would like to be part of MIFA's long tradition of service and to learn more about volunteering, more information can be found at mifa.org slash wyxr. Hey, and we're back with Marvin Stockwell. My name is Emily Austin, and this is Faithfully Memphis on WYXR. So, Marvin, um, one of the last things that you said before we went to break that kind of triggered my mind mm-hmm. was, you know, it's it's those David and Goliath stories, you know, and that's that's a reference um, that I think. Yeah, all those biblical stories are just right in there, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's if that's baked in knowledge that everyone has, but you know, David and Goliath, it's that story of, Mm -hmm. you know, the small um person who goes and fights someone who is big and burly and is oppressive. And that's a relatable analogy, I think. Um in in as we look around in the world and especially in the United States today, it, it I think that over the last several years and certainly before them, mm-hmm. but I, I think that it we're really um, at a point where we're collectively engaging in conversations that uh, are, are brave and we're trying to bring mm-hmm. truth to power and uh, or speak truth to power. And, and I think we're at a point where we are more or at least within my world mm-hmm. i see a lot of people who are standing up and saying what i see is not right and i'm going to use my privilege i'm finally going to you know use it in such a way that it brings justice and equity and um and a lot you know within the mm-hmm. faith world i uh, i think that there's a lot of rewriting right now of what it means to be or re-imagining uh, of what it means to be a Christian. Right. So I know, I just because I know you and yeah. I know your story, I know that a lot of the work that you do is informed by your faith. Maybe not explicitly, mm-hmm. but it certainly is like it, it's there, whether yeah. you call it that or not. Sure. What Talk to me a little bit mm-hmm. about how especially the thing that i keep going back to is that mm-hmm. your kids your i mean your children are ab- around you know the age of of my daughter you mm-hmm. know it's that it's that middle school to college ish age yeah where you are modeling that faith um both you know in a a religious context but you're also mm-hmm. out in the world doing yeah. this can you talk to me yeah. a little bit about if that has any bearing on why you wanted mm-hmm. to bring your kids on the on the podcast tour with you? Mm-hmm. And ha- and if that was an intentional, like, I want you to see what it means to be, a, a like, to work for justice and mm-hmm. to put a microphone in front of people who are sure. doing this kind of good work. Um, I feel like... Um 
I, I maybe didn't have those set of thoughts, but I mean, my entire life, I'm always aware of what my kids are observing that I do. Um, now, you know, the very first thought was, <clears throat> I'm going to need some help engineering the show. And Cormac had shown an, uh, 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 an aptitude for doing those things. Yeah, uh, and, and actually, when, it was my buddy J.D. Rieger's idea. He goes, you should just take Cormac on the road as your engineer. So Yeah, and when you have a tween uh -huh. who is a willing participant, you jump on it. Because it's, yeah. not, it's not an always thing it's not at a given. all. Yeah. So it, it really, it's the, the, the process started kind of logically thinking. And then I just thought, uh, with, with, with Vive coming along as driver... Uh, our, our, our college age kid, it was more a fact but that I had, had gotten, and this is a blessing, a lot of client work come my way on the publicity practice front. And I just thought, I need somebody to help me drive so that I can work from the car rolling down the road. Yeah. And so Vive going as driver was kind of like the next thought. Uh, and so Vive and Corm went with me the whole way, left June 5th, got back like 10 days ago. Uh, and, uh, and then Having having Mel join us, my daughter Amelia, um, was kind of like she had been to Costa Rica with the school group. Then she went to Philadelphia with my wife for a conference. And then I just thought, as long as you're going to put her on a plane back to Memphis, why don't you put her on a plane to Seattle and she yeah. can join up for the last couple of weeks? So I, I'd like to say that it was some grand orchestrated plan at the outset. But it's, I really kind of fumbled my way towards having the, the full complement of Stockwell kids with me for the last yeah. two weeks. Yeah. That said... Um, one of the reasons, okay, so in the quest for meaning, why do people champion causes, what sustains them, what helps them succeed? It's impossible for me to divorce that in my mind and heart from what my faith tells me are reasons to do good. And so, you know, uh, what I've discovered, and, and you, you don't have to be a person of faith to champion a cause. You no. really don't. No, but, I mean, I, if anything, yeah. I, it is, it is, has nothing to do with religion. I mean, yeah. and, and I say that as or an individual. Can. Yeah, it can, yeah. but I, I, yeah. I, I say that as a very religious person and as someone whose faith is foundational to the way yeah. that I do things. But, um, but I think that hopefully, even if I didn't have that, you know, that Christ, that Episcopal Christian yeah. uh, framework within my life. Like, I think that I would probably be doing the same things that I'm doing now. And here's what it is, what I've discovered. And the, the way I describe it is we all have, we were all from the factory. We were built with this in, inborn goodness and, yeah. and a belief in goodness. Uh, and I feel like when we open our hearts wide enough for the universe to draft us to champion a cause, it's because we've rebooted our fundamental belief in goodness and in our belief in the, 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 the value of collaboration with others. Yeah. Uh, and our, 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 our ego part of ourself, which is important and it keeps us safe and everything, but it largely sometimes limits us. And our higher aspirational self, or since we're in a religious context, that's the part of that I think is most directly connected to the indwelling Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's like as, as our presiding bishop, uh, Michael Curry in the Episcopal Church says, it's all about love. It's all about yeah. love. If it's not about love, it's not about God. And you can define God. That's how, well put. Yeah, yeah. It's like you can define God however you want to define it. But but it's all about love and it's all about just anyway. So continue, there, there, yeah. there is this goodness inside all of us. And I feel like. Everyone, every person I've interviewed on the podcast has found a way to connect back to that sense of possibility yeah. in working with others and, and the belief not only in 
in my goodness and your goodness and, and the goodness of people that, that they that they interact with, but the belief in, in the inevitability of goodness winning out in the end. If you don't believe that it's something like that's possible, you're just not going to quest after one of these what what the world would, would say is like tilting at windmills, Don Quixote. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a lost cause. I mean, I literally I had people pull me aside in the early days and say, Marvin, Marvin, come over here, man. Like, Look, I, I love you, man. And I, lo- I know you love our city. But um, this Coliseum thing, like, look, I just am saying uh, you're a, a guy in the right circles on his way up. This is when I was like maybe in my early 40s or whatever. You know, you're you're a you're a well-known kind of guy in the right circles. You don't want to throw away all, all that for a lost cause, do you? And it was like it was this. I mean, it was like the temptation in the desert, you know, like yeah. falsifying the mission or, yeah. or, or whatever. And I'm like, that just made me more resolved yeah, to double that, down. That's right? the that's the thing is that when you tell some people that what they're doing is not worth it, it's just gonna, it's just like the the kick in the pants to keep them that's going right. even harder. That's right. And so it's just like, and and my curiosity, which is kind of an inexhaustible uh, yeah. curiosity, is like. Where does that indefatigable like passion come from? Yeah, and that's that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Was along those lines is that you know we, I people ask me sometimes just like mm-hmm. why, how do you, how do you continue, how do you get up in the morning? It's not that I have like this awful life, but there's a lot, there's a lot of hard stuff that we're faced with every day. And I think that's one of the things I relate to about what you just said is that I do have an inexhaustible, like, like appetite for understanding and for knowing. And when, and when you have that, you see Mm -hmm. a lot of gross, awful things and you see a lot of things that can keep you down and, and, and that are that show you, mm-hmm. dang, we really do have the deck stacked against us. And yet I just you just keep going. I mean, yeah. other than having just that mindset where you push it aside, what for you and and mm-hmm. as you observe these other people across the United States who are doing this kind of lost cause work. What is the thing that keeps mm. you going? Well, I think I, the the stories buoy me up. They, they, yeah. I mean, the the whole thing is a net encouragement for me because it's like, yes, we can focus on the bad in the world, and and I'm not trying to gloss over any of that. Yeah. But like each episode is about a person showing incredible like temerity to 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 often to stand up to against terribly stacked odds, and then you see them prevail, and, and it it's encouraging to know that like. The things in life that that might seem scary and undefeatable are not necessarily that way. They might not necessarily be undefeatable. Um, You know, and it's like if we let ourselves be convinced of that at the outset that we never tried, then nothing ever improves. So I think that there has to be. So so really, when I observe these people, I feel a kinship to them and I just it just it just lifts me up so i mean the entire road trip was nothing but yeah. encouragement and then to like have my kids be observing it too and be like yeah. yucking it up with them and on the road and like taking you know a side trip to go see the grand canyon or yellowstone yeah. or whatever you know and and here's the other thing emily it's like taking in our giant beautiful country in yeah. one big five week and two day gulp oh boy uh, was like you know you're driving through moab and you're just like Oh, my God. you know, it's just yeah. it, it, as much as like 
and and these are these are these are ad- accurate critiques like you know Mem- Memphis excuse me the United States there's a, there's plenty that's wrong with our country right but like just to drive across it and you're just awestruck and my and, and my own kids were were just like you know wow you know it was, it was it, we live in a gorgeous enormous <laughs> yeah. country and there and from Sea to shining sea. Yeah. I just, I just encountered nothing but good people doing good things. So, like the whole trip was just like not only we were we occasionally putting actual fuel in our gas tank to get us down the road, but it's like all of the episodes were were fuel in my emotional uh, gas tank to just lift me up, buoy me up, and power us down the road. You know. So, were there any moments that maybe didn't make it to the podcast for, but but you like really took a lot of stock in well oh gosh the wolf a there were countless moments with the, with my kids where and people say oh kids are always on a screen they're always playing video games or the thing is a, they're not like they are they are i i, yeah. I hear that too and they are so much more aware than we that's give right. them credit for that's right but the beautiful thing is, okay, let let them zone out and play a video game for a couple of hours. Right. I've got a seven hour drive, so like having that long a time in the car together actually provided us opportunities to uh, just connect on a on a. I mean, you we just had so much time together that like those deep conversations about the meaning of life and you know and and Vives going into her second year of college and oh yeah. gosh she's got an apartment what's it all going to be about like we had so much time to just be uh together so that was a blessing that was probably that I mean those will be never never be reflected in the episodes but like um but but those conversations with my kids and I am very fortunate blessed that my my three kids not only love each other, mm-hmm. but they also really like each other. Yeah. Uh, if anything, the pandemic served to kind of tighten up that unit of my kids because they really yeah. had just each other. Uh, so they all became, but they were good friends. They loved each other. But I, I would say that the, the, the kind of forced containment, yeah. <laughs> sequestering of the pandemic, yeah. re, especially with my daughters, really made them like super best buds. Uh, and so just to to be people said, oh, well, I mean, that was great. But I bet your kids like drove you crazy. I'm like, no, they actually really didn't. You know, like we just like, well, I couldn't have been as fun as those Facebook posts. Look, I'm like, yeah, actually, it really was. Yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't a highlight reel. That's like that's what the whole trip was like. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so good. I mean, I'd have to really nitpick to say, OK, there was that time I lost a pair of shades uh, in somewhere in Montana. And uh, and we did we did have a battery go bad and we had to get a triple a to tow us to AutoZone, and we got a battery like that's it yeah <laughs> that's yeah. all the bad stuff dang what a that's awesome isn't that crazy that almost yeah. feels like kind of weird yeah like somebody's Knock looking on, out for me yeah yeah oh imagine that <laughs> imagine that no Knock honestly that's 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 the other grand summary from a, from a being seeing this through the lens of faith it's the clearest sign yet uh from god that this is what i was set free uh to do um you know so 
a couple last time I was on Faithfully Memphis, it was like right on the heels of, of me being laid off at St. Jude and and no one gets to, no one likes to get laid off. No, uh, yes. And and I was kind of like really foundering to kind of find exactly what I would do. Now, since then, I've, I've launched my own publicity practice. That's going well. I have a full roster of clients. My you know, my I'm, I'm able to pay my bills. But but yeah. beyond that, it, and, 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 and God was with me through that entire, you know, march through the desert of trust with God, right? So that I grew much stronger muscles on the faith front and, and grew closer to God, uh, improved my own self-understanding and self-concept. But like th- this is a bit of God showing off and seeing like, I told you I had you, yeah. right? Uh, I yeah. told you I had you. Pretty awesome road trip. Huh? I mean, it was like. It, it was it was a clear sign from God, the universe, or however you describe it, that like, yeah, th- this is what I was supposed to be doing. And I now view the entire uh, layoff uh, as uh, an incredible gift, e- even the hard parts, especially the hard parts, because yeah. I really grew from it. I wouldn't trade what I've learned about myself and how I've grown yeah. just to get my uh, high paying St. Jude job back. My t- and now I'm able to look at St. Jude and just realize, oh gosh, what a blessing it was to work there for almost four years. Everything that I learned uh, about being, I, I'm leveled up as a PR guy, so now I'm applying those plays and strategies yeah. for and making them work for my clients. So like, it is it is all blessing uh, at yeah. this point. I was reflecting on that earlier myself because you know we we're all. I love that uh, phrase that people remind me of that we're all going through something. Everyone is fighting mm-hmm. a battle and it might just be something that is completely um, like invisible to everyone else. That's right. We're all going through something. And um, some of us are going through difficult times that we don't, you know, what, and, mm-hmm. and it's, I was reflecting on that the other day that it is just so beautiful to have those reminders occasionally that the arc of life is long mm, and the yeah. arc of um, humanity is long. And even when we are in the hardest parts and in those darkest forests, there's mm. little pinpricks of light. That's right. That are coming through that cloud cover. Yeah. And and when that light comes through, it it illuminates, you know, the the landscape that's in in front of us that otherwise we, you know, would you know, fill with monsters and scary things and mm. hard things. Um and it's a sign that we're going to eventually make it to a clearing. Mm. And and that's well put. Yeah, yeah. It, well, I there's agree. just there's just so we're in a time. We're in a time right now, you know? Yeah. And but occasionally we remember that we've been here before. Like as a as a human family, we've been here before. Mm-hmm. We don't have to reinvent the wheel on our own. We have each other. That's right. We have each other's stories to learn from. Mm-hmm. We have people like you who are going out there and finding those stories and helping people to tell them. And Mm -hmm. I think that not only is the result of that work its own reward, like the result of championing a cause or fighting for someone who can't Mm -hmm. do it for themselves at that moment, that's a reward in and of itself just to do that good work 
and to be there. But it's also the reward is just showing up and just saying, I know that if I were going through it, someone else, like mm-hmm. someone is going to be there for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard, but it's, we're going to keep going. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's really, that's how I tend to want to put the cherry on the top is that it's all going to be okay because we're all in this together. Yeah. And for all of the ugliness, there's so much beauty. That's really what that what thing you just said. That's what I observed. It's like every podcast episode that I do reassures me that goodness is going to prevail. Yeah. You know, that um uh, I, I just you know, I, I realized a while back in writing the book that there was kind of a false thought in my head, which is Oh, you know, the, the, the battle between good and, and, and evil is like this hopeless stalemate. No one's ever winning. But that's actually not true because if you believe in free will, then you believe that everyone has the capacity yeah. to uh, affect and, and pull the rope in the, in, the, in the way of in the direction of goodness. So if I feel like what my book and, 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 and podcast can be is just to help other people hear the stories and realize they also have the permission uh, to do this. Like, like yeah. we all have that capacity. Yes. I'm not a special person to champion a cause. I'm a, some special benighted person. Right. Like right. literally everybody has that capacity. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to go to a break and we'll be right back. WYXR is supported by the Artist Series, which continues at the Memphis Listening Lab. Music journalist Mark Jordan hosts each installment and features in-depth interviews with artists while listening to tracks from their latest album. The night culminates with a short live set. Upcoming guests include Louisiana bluesman Robert Finley on Tuesday, July 25th, and Memphis singer-songwriter Dan Montgomery on Thursday, July 27th. This series is sponsored by Memphis Record Pressing. More information can be found at the Memphis Listening Lab. WYXR is supported by the Museum of Science and History presenting Laser Live, which brings live music and laser light effects together for a live concert series in the Mosh AutoZone Dome at the Sharp Planetarium. The series continues with Al Capone on August 19th. More information at moshmemphis.com. We were just bopping to the... Yeah. Uh, to, I was like, man, we're going to gonna have to get out to... Um, uh, I will always call it the Pink, the Palace. Pink Palace. I'm just like I'm sorry. The Museum I, of Science and History. I, 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 okay, I as a as a branding person, I'm like, yeah, Mosh, yeah. But at the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, it's the Pink Palace. But that sounds freaking awesome. It's Let's, totally the Pink like, Palace. We we need to go see Al Capone at the totally. The, yeah, yeah. Marvin, um, you are a light. You you are someone who I know encourages a lot of people and inspires a lot of people. Um, you are kind. I appreciate you saying that. Well, I I don't I don't know any other what thing to say. Yeah. Um, last word. Yeah. Like, like, what is? You know, we always end this show with the question, like, what's bringing you hope? And and you only talk about the things that are giving <laughs> you hope. So, but I'm also I'm not gonna like be a downer and be like, okay, Marvin, what is what is trouble vexing you. you yeah, yeah like yeah, i don't even yeah. i don't even want to go that go there what what do you want people to know sure like, what if it what do you want people to know this is this is like the last yeah. the last uh thing that you ever want to leave them with yeah 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 um 
Well, I have both a kind of deep thing, but also a do practical the, thing. Do the deep thing and then do the deep thing. Yeah, thing. I was going to seg you into the practical uh, thing. Just anyway. honestly, is that um, that 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 the endeavors that you if that still small voice in you says, you know, you ought to like um, listen to it, you know, and and, and I, I realized that like we have the ability and the space in our lives to to champion temporal causes because our life is at a stable place. I mean, sometimes we have to focus on our own life and, you know, like people that I might not have the bandwidth to, uh, to champion a temporal cause. Quite frankly, we also have to also have to champion the cause of our precious lives, which means sometimes tending to our own lives very directly. So, so give yourself grace. Uh, we all have to give ourselves grace, yeah. but just know that you have that, that, that capacity to, to champion a cause and to champion the cause of your precious life. You can do it. The, 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 um, the, the, the the forces that would have you believe that like it's all a lockdown as the world's going to hell in a handbasket uh that's not true uh, and and it's only we're only kept in place because they've convinced us of that lie uh is is the kind of big thing that I that I'd leave uh folks with you you know you can do it and i i see people from all walks of life doing all sorts of amazing things yeah. and there is amazing capacity inside everyone listening to this so that's the deep thing here's the practical thing yes the practical thing is i want to invite people August 2nd from 5 to 7 at Otherlands, I'm going to do a live audience uh, recording of Champions at the Lost Causes podcast. And my buddy J.D. Rieger is going to be guest host and allow my kids and I to be the guests. Awesome. So uh, so we're going to it. So it'll be about kind of unpacking the lessons learned of the of the Champions at the Lost Causes podcast road trip. Gotta love a a live show at Otherlands on uh, on. August 2nd, 5 to 7. Awesome. And then obviously champions of the lost causes dot org is my kind of platform website with links to the website and the blog and everything else. Mm-hmm. Plus a free ebook that I've written called uh, The Dynamic Duo, uh, Two Indispensable Leaders for Championing Any Cause. It's a free download if you cool. just, I just have to give me your email address. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so resources there and champions of the lost causes is on the Back to the Light podcast network. They can, more information there at back, back to the light dot net. Or you can also find uh, the podcast on anywhere you listen to podcasts, practically. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Marvin. Thank you for having me, Emily. Thanks, thanks for just being you and, and for giving us all a lot to think about and, and realizing that we all have value, right? That's true. And we all have something that we can bring. That's right. Thank you so much. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, you've been listening to Faithfully Memphis. We're a podcast and a radio show from uh, the Episcopal Church in West Tennessee. Um, and we come each week on Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Um, on WYXR 91.7 FM right here in Memphis. Um, if you like our podcast, please uh, find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Um Share the show with a friend who may not have heard it. Um, leave us a comment. Just get in touch. We're, we're, <laughs> we are always wanting to hear from you. Um, you can do so on our website, ebwtn.org. And also follow us on all the social medias. Uh, yeah. This is Emily Austin. And until next week, stay safe and stay positive. Bye. Bye.